Welcome to the Young, Fun, and Sober Podcast. I am your host, Blazik, a.k.a. Sober Guy Journal. And I'm Julia, also known as That One Sober Friend on TikTok. Knowing what I know now, I wouldn't change anything except to feel more emotionally slow down. Life's a merry-go-round. But things ain't merry when you're going through the motions. Fulfillment lies and emotions. So why go through life unavailable? You're unfailable. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Young, Fun, and Sober podcast. I am Julia, also known as That One Sober Friend on TikTok. Today, I am so excited because we have our first guest on the Young, Fun, and Sober podcast. I am so excited to introduce Bardia. He goes by the Stop Drinking Coach on TikTok and Instagram. Um, So we're so happy that he is here, and I want to give him a chance to introduce himself and go into his backstory when it comes to sobriety. And yeah, we'll just see where it goes from there. Awesome. Well, thanks for the introduction, Julia. Um, Super excited to be here as well. I appreciate you reaching out to me. I've been seeing your content for a little while. And uh, yeah, it's always cool to connect with other people who are sober and on this alcohol-free journey. Um, so yeah, introduce myself. My name is Barty Arez. Um, 31 years old, just over two years sober. And uh, I'm the stop drinking coach on TikTok. And yeah, should I should I kind of jump into my story? Yes, we want to hear all the details from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so yeah, my story with alcohol really goes back all the way back to my childhood. You know, I, I grew up in somewhat of a, I mean, a, a pretty crazy dysfunctional family. My dad was an alcoholic and really struggled with alcohol. And, um, yeah, there was, there was addiction in the family. Um, all, all types of stuff really. But I mean, going back, um, never really knew my dad sober except like Saturday mornings. He was drinking pretty much every single day, every night and, uh, just a lot of dysfunction in, in the family across the board between drug addiction and, you know, emotional stuff, all that. Um, and so pretty crazy background. I, I, I remember having my first drink when I was like 13 years old. Uh, me and a couple of buddies went to um, his grandma's house who was out of town. And so we were house sitting there with his dad over the weekend and she had a bar and we were like 13, 14 at the time, had never had a drink. And so we're like, should we do it? We all agreed. And we didn't know what really alcohol was, like how much you're supposed to drink. So we just started taking shots of every different type of liquor there was. We ended up taking like 13 or 14 shots, getting absolutely hammered and just it was a huge shit show i could smell tequila in my nose for like six after it was disgusting um but you know the story goes on and then um when i'm 14 years old my dad died of alcohol poisoning in his sleep and that was you know pretty traumatic for me and in my family um my uncle comes to help with the funeral and he gives me this book by this guy named Wayne Dyer. And, uh, Wayne Dyer is like a spiritual guru. If you haven't heard of him, he's got tons of books. Um, he's all over YouTube and the book was called, you'll see it when you believe it. And that book was kind of this personal development book. And it introduces you to the concept of like your thoughts and your beliefs influence your reality. And I read that book at 14 years old and it, it just totally shifted my paradigm. 
I had just gone through this really kind of traumatic experience. And then I get introduced to this book about consciousness and beliefs. And like at 14 years old, you don't have any conception of that stuff really. Um, and so it sent me down this deep, deep rabbit hole. I mean, that book changed my life. It sent me down this rabbit hole of trying to understand the nature of reality. And I got really into like studying philosophy and personal development. I'd read like every personal development book by the time I was 20. Um, you know, just all that stuff, getting into psychology, better trying to understand like addiction and because it had like plagued my family. Um, I picked up my first drink when I was 15 and I, I immediately became a binge drinker. Like I could never just have one in my 15 years of drinking. I probably had less than five drinks, like less than five times, you know, every time I would have a drink, a, a trigger, a switch would go off and I'd have, you know, eight to 15 or I would drink until I got sick. Um, there's just no off button for me. And I was pretty much in that cycle from the age of like 15 to 29, um, two to three days a week, kind of looking like everybody else in their teens and in, you know, in their twenties, like, that's just what you do. Like you work hard, party hard, work at it, work a job, and then you just get fucked up on the weekends. And, you know, as you start to really step out of the alcohol matrix, you, you really see how culturally like this is a major problem. Because one, there's no education around alcohol. People don't really know what they're getting involved with. And we're just assuming that because alcohol is legal, somebody else must have done the research and approved it. And it's all good. And, you know, it's, I mean, alcohol is woven into the fabric of music and movies and television. And every third commercial is a Budweiser commercial. And so it's wild, man. Um, on the outside, nobody probably... I mean, people knew that I went hard and like, like to party, but at the same time, I kind of had all my shit together as well. Like I was entrepreneurial. I, I kind of started a few different businesses throughout those years. Um, I was always working out. I was in really good shape physically, but I would just, just fucking destroy myself on the weekends. And so internally, this caused like a major, major war inside me because half of me from the moment my dad died, got really into like studying personal growth and like human potential and success and like psychology and understanding the nature of consciousness. And like, I always knew there was a version of myself I was capable of being right. And so half of me was very oriented around always trying to level up and grow and, you know, just be a better version of myself. The other half was just stuck in this dopamine feeding cycle with alcohol. Every Thursday or Friday, the triggers were so fucking intense. Like I'd be mobbing home just so I can get that drink. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was no off button, you know? And so throughout my 20s, there were little periods of sobriety a week here, maybe two weeks there. I think the longest one I uh, I went was six months. Um, but every time I went back, it got worse. Um, and then, you know, kind of fast forward to the pandemic um, you know, we're all working from home. You kind of lose that sense of accountability. You're bored. And so I went from weekend binge drinking to drinking every day and slowly, but surely with the way I'm wired with alcohol, that consumption started to increase. The volume started to increase very, very quickly. And I got up to drink in like four to six bottles of wine a day. And I was smoking a, like a pack of cigarettes a day. And I did that for like, I really don't even know, like somewhere like three, four, five, six months. Um, 
And it was just insane, man. Like drinking that, I mean, that's like 20 to 30 glasses of wine a day, you know, like it was just breaking me down mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I was getting like sick and like my whole body was in pain. It was just rough, man. Um, and then finally I got to this point where like what my rock bottom was, was one day I, you know, I was hanging out, I was drinking all day and my buddy invites me to the pool and figure we're just going to go chill and he's like, Hey man, do you want to race? And, uh, every person I've ever raced in the pool, like I, I beat him. Like I, I pride myself on being a fast swimmer. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, let's go. I'll, I'll punish you, man. And we start racing. <clears throat> and so we start racing and like halfway through, I'm swimming so aggressively. My left shoulder, like ends up like ripping out of its socket. Um, and it like dislocates and it was like just absolutely fucked up. And I heard like this crackle and this pop and I come up and my arm is just like dangling. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't even lift it out of the water. I had to keep it under the water because of like the buoyancy. Yeah. And so I sat there for like 10 minutes trying to wiggle it back in and it just wouldn't go in. And finally, by the grace of God, it goes back in. But it was really the most excruciating physical pain I'd ever felt in my life. And that was like the moment that like really woke me up. Um, everything kind of just flashed before my eyes and I really went into some deep reflection and, and like, I couldn't deny it anymore. I couldn't run from it. I couldn't rationalize it. I couldn't make excuses. I couldn't weasel my way into something like some corner and say, oh, well, it could have been from, it was like, dude, it's because you were drinking and like, you're just, you know, you're fucking things up. And, uh, I was 29 years old at the time. I was a few months away from turning 30. And, you know, like for me with half of my personality always being like really focused on just being a better version of myself and tapping my potential, I've always kind of had this conception and idea of the man that I would be at 30 years old. And in that moment, as I did some reflection, I was like, dude, I'm fucking on a different, I'm in a different universe. Like I'm not even close to the standard that I have for myself in my mind. And so there was just so much emotional turmoil with this like battle that I've had with alcohol. I just realized like without the alcohol, like I'm a fucking stud, you know, like I'm consistent, I'm productive, I get shit done. Like, and I was, I just told myself, I was like, if I didn't want my thirties to be a slave, like sort of hamster wheel, like my twenties was, there's only one thing I needed to do. And that was to give up alcohol. And, um, dude, it, it was, it was scary. You know, like alcohol was like God for me. I don't know anybody who loves alcohol as much as I do. Like I'm a fiend for that dopamine, you know, and I talk about it a lot in my videos. Um, and so like, I get it, you know, when people who are either sober curious or struggling with alcohol and like the fear that comes along with it, like trying to imagine a life without alcohol and all that stuff, like I get it, you know, um, at that same time, I was presented this opportunity to run the marketing for this coaching company. And that was a really valuable thing for me because coaching is something I've always wanted to do, but I didn't really have any conception of what it was. I didn't know where to start. And, um, I don't know. I just like, honestly, I thought like coaching was, I just, I hadn't had enough life experience. I thought I was like stupid. I was like, what do you mean? Like a life coach? Like, what's that about? <laughs> but then I go into this coaching company and I'm watching these guys come in and like, triple their revenue in 90 days 
like 5x their revenue in 90 days by following a set of principles and models and getting their mindset right and like optimizing certain aspects of their sales and marketing and like it fucking blew me away. All of a sudden I was immersed in an environment where there was a lot of successful people gaining tremendous levels of success in very short periods of time. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I need to do. Like everything I've been learning and studying, like it's coaching. So I became a coach. I coached like 50 men through that time. I led a bunch of like performance and like spiritual retreats. And it was, it was a huge point of learning growth over that year. Um, and then I left them in December and then I started stop drinking coach a few months later with like a hundred followers. Um, really just posting like, I don't know, just kind of mindset stuff in the beginning. And then I started posting about my sobriety journey and it, it took off. Um, and I just, I followed that and, um, yeah, now I've, I've got the stop drinking coach brand. I've had several videos, you know, go viral and I've reached like 30 million people and I've helped like almost a hundred people quit drinking and it's wild, man. It's been a crazy journey, but it feels like with all the work that I've done, I feel like I can look back on my life and I don't know if everybody could say this, but I feel like as I look back on my life, every single event that's ever happened or didn't happen in almost every decision I've ever made was perfectly orchestrated to lead me to be doing the work that I'm doing now, sharing the message that I'm sharing now. Everything from the family that I was born into, the story with my dad, everything that happened between mom and sisters, like the people I met, the people that have mentored me, the relationships, the businesses, the failed businesses, like all of it was perfectly divinely ordered for me to like start this thing because it happened so organically. And it's just like, it's just who I am. You know, this alcohol thing has been something that has been this, the centerpiece of my entire life from the moment I was born, starting with my family all the way up until I hit my own rock bottom. And so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey, but I'm super, super grateful. Um, for the experiences. And I'm really grateful for myself for figuring it out for being really resilient, because I think I had a million different opportunities to have gone a different way. You know? Yeah, yeah, I think that people don't quite understand or necessarily want to come to the conclusion that alcohol is having such an effect on their life. And I think that has a lot to do with the marketing that is targeted for folks that are our age. It's because they want it to be like, this isn't negatively affecting your life in such a way that you need to take it out and stop completely. They never want to have it, you know, focused that way. But it's like, until you do it, until you take the the year, the two years away from it, that you realize like, oh, this was the sole thing that was really holding me back from not only me achieving my goals, but also me fully loving and understanding who I am as a person. I, I liked the way that you were talking about that you had these spurts and these seasons of your life that you were very focused on growth and self-reflection and philosophy and reaching your truest potential. But then you also had this part of you that did not match or reflect those aspects of your, of your life and the person that you're trying to be. 
And I talk about that all the time in my videos too, of like my intentions as a person did not match my actions as a person. And that's why I was so confused for a lot of my early twenties because I was totally misunderstanding the person that I was trying to be. And I really was only doing it to myself. And that's a hard conclusion to come to. Um, and I know that you've started your, your coaching business and that's incredible that you've been able to help so many people. Yeah. It's crazy. Like when I started my TikTok, you know, I had only a couple hundred followers for, for many, many months. And it wasn't until like I had one video kind of pop off and then it's like, Oh, we're not the only people that feel this way. There's actually yeah. a lot of us that, that have this, not saying we have the same background because everyone's experience is super different, but we're definitely not, not the only ones out there. Um, how would you say that at least with like your coaching style works when it comes to folks coming to you being like, I don't really know what I want in life. I just know that this life can't continue further. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, so it's about doing like, it's about, so the thing with alcohol and, and that's a really good point that you bring up. You're like, we're not alone. Right. So I've talked to literally probably like a thousand people on the phone who struggle with alcohol over the last eight or nine months, right? Since I started this thing in the beginning, I was just talking to people, just trying to figure out like collect data and information in like everybody's story is the same. The background is different, but like, dude, if you struggle with alcohol, like you're not much different than anybody else who struggles with alcohol. Like we're, we're all the same. But everybody likes to think that their story is is unique or like they have this kind of like special relationship. Like almost every person I talk to is like, it's like, it's bad, but like it could be worse. And that's what we do in our society, right? Because there's two terms. There's like, there's like two types. There's like, okay, either you moderately control, like you have an, a whatever relationship with alcohol or you're an alcoholic and you're drinking at 10 a.m. And so everybody just assumes if you're not that, then it's still fine. Even mm -hmm. though like everything else is kind of burning to the ground, you're like, well, at least I'm not drinking at 7 a.m. Right. You know? Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's like we use alcohol for two reasons to either pursue an instant form of pleasure via the dopamine release in your brain, or you use it to escape some sort of internal pain, psychological, mental, emotional, or even physical. So we're either pursuing pleasure or avoiding pain. I mean, those are the fundamental driving forces of all human behavior. Mm -hmm. So when somebody is struggling with alcohol, it's because there's something inside them and it's, it's typically to avoid pain. And typically like <clears throat> our journey with alcohol starts with pursuing pleasure, right? In high school and in college, we drink because it's fun and it's cool and it's like social and you know, reduces social anxiety. So first we, first we drink to pursue pleasure. And the longer we start to drink, then we start to drink to escape pain because now we're stuck in like the dopamine feeding cycle and our neurochemistry is imbalanced. And so now we're feeling more anxious. Now we're feeling more stressed out from work and life and kids. So we're, so we're drinking to escape pain. So when somebody comes up and they're like, Hey, like 
I don't really know what I want. I just don't want this anymore. It really just starts with like doing a deep self inventory. So like the first thing I have everybody do is fill out an onboarding form and it has like 40 questions and it goes into like their whole life. We look at their past, their relationship with their family, you know, if they have any resentments towards their family, how did, how did their mom and dad treat them emotionally? Like we look at their personality, their emotional temperament, like their self-image. Do they have limiting beliefs? Like what's their confidence? What's their self-esteem? And then as they imagine themselves, like imagine if you were no longer tethered to alcohol. Imagine if you weren't thinking about it, craving it. It just wasn't something in your life. What is that person? What is that version of you look like? What would you be doing? How would you be living? You know, how would you be spending your time? And so the next step is like, okay, well, let's build a map. Let's build a compass towards a better future, right? And if somebody doesn't know that, which sometimes they don't, like I have clients who have been drinking for 30 years and alcohol has been their identity. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't really know who I am. I mean, it's terrifying to, to even imagine. And so it's like, okay, well, let's go back to before you started drinking. Maybe when you were 15, like, what were you into? Did you play sports? Did you, were you a creative person? Did you like art? Did you like music? Um, and so it's about asking the right types of questions to identify what somebody needs, you know, and, and what they want out of life. And isn't it crazy that alcohol really <clears throat> deters us from those natural points of pleasure it's like they become so unimportant and i've always like considered myself a very creative person my dad's an artist and i've always been just drawn towards that and it's crazy cuz like for the majority of my early 20s i just completely stopped putting time and effort towards that, even though it gave me so much organic joy and like organic dopamine. Um, you know, it's obviously a much healthier outlet than, than going out and drinking. It's just when you get in the cycle of even just being a weekend drinker, nothing else sounds as exciting as going out to drink. And I think that folks aren't quite understanding that that's actually a really scary position to be in. And although it might be, because even when I stopped drinking, I was drinking maybe a Friday or a Saturday. I wasn't even like going out both nights, but it was still, it's negatively affecting not only when I'm hungover and I'm, you know, having like an emotional breakdown because I'm feeling high anxiety and high depression. It's like what on the days that I'm not drinking, I'm just not even enjoying my day-to-day -day life. Whereas now, since I've stopped drinking, you know, I do really enjoy that walk to the gym or I do really enjoy that meal that I'm making at home because when you take away that super inauthentic dopamine rush, um, it turns more trivial things in your life to be more exciting. And it's cool that, mm -hmm. you know, you know, through your coaching, you're sort of able to challenge your clients to find those things in their life that gives them true meaning. Cause I feel like that's what everyone is really, I kind of do like that. You said that although our stories are different, the main sort of like core aspects are 
pretty much the same. We're all looking for meaning. We're all looking for connection. We're all trying to find our most true and authentic selves. And it's, it's doesn't have to be as complicated, I think, as folks like initially think that it's going to be. Um, but I guess other than like finding these, um, hobbies and achieving goals, what would be some other things that you think are like must haves to create a life of sobriety that's going to be sustainable in your opinion? Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think, I think like two, probably three things. Um, but two for sure in the beginning. So you need to be super clear on the pain that alcohol is causing you. Because if you're not clear on the pain, then you're just going to keep drinking, right? When you drink alcohol, it activates the reward center in your brain. And it's like pulling the lever on a slot machine and winning the jackpot every time, right? Like when you, re- when you activate that reward center, it increases that dopamine and that pleasure point, like three, 300%, 400% compared to normal baseline. And so to, like normal day-to-day life just doesn't provide a heightened level of pleasure the way that alcohol does. And when you consistently pull that slot machine, it's training your brain to become dependent on that. And so naturally, because your dopamine's all out of whack, just like you said, everything else starts to kind of take a back seat and just not that being not be that enjoyable. So you have to get clear on the pain and the consequences that alcohol is causing in your uh, causing your life. That's why like a decent part of the population or percentage of people who quit drinking have to kind of hit a rock bottom and burn everything to the ground before they wake up. Not everybody, like it, it sounds like you probably didn't have to, to do that, but maybe you hit an emotional rock bottom. Like everybody's yeah. rock bottom looks a little bit different, you know? Um, so you have to be clear on the pain and what you have to do with alcohol is you kind of have to future pace out, like assume that alcohol is a progressive drug or progressive quote unquote disease, they call it because you're actively reshaping and remodeling your brain's pathways and neurochemistry. So assume it is going to get worse. And so start looking like, what's the next year of my life going to look like? What's three to five years down the line going to look like? What's the next 10 or 20 years going to look like if this continues to get worse? Because it will like, it's, it's just not like, don't assume that you're the one who's going to live to 95 a long, healthy life drinking because some grandparent in your extended family did, you know? <laughs> so you have to get clear on the pain. And the second one is you have to get clear on an exciting vision for your future. You have to go deep within yourself, do some real self inventory and start asking the bigger questions that most people tend to avoid. And it's like, what the hell am I doing here? Why was I born? What's my purpose? What's my mission? You know, if I assume there's no redos, let's just temporarily suspend the idea of heaven and hell and anything else and assume there's only going to be one Julia. There's only going to be one Bardia in this entire universe. You have a unique energetic fingerprint in the way that you perceive life, in the way that you synthesize information. There will never be another person like you. What do you want to leave behind? How do you want to move the light of consciousness forward what impact do you want to have how do you want to serve people you know what are your goals what are your dreams do you want to travel the world do you want to start your own business do you want to you know maybe none of that maybe you just 
want to do your thing and just raise a family and be a good mom or dad, like whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. But you have to look deep inside yourself and ask those bigger questions. Because when you're when you don't have clarity around those things, then you're just going to be idle. You're just going to be limbo in the present moment. And when you don't have clarity around your future, and you don't feel confident, right? And so this is another thing, like you got to get your mental health in order. If you don't feel confident, if you have low self-esteem, if you have low self-worth, if you have a lot of limiting beliefs, if you've experienced a lot of trauma in your past, like it's going to be, it's going to be hard to think that you even deserve anything more than what you have now. And so you're going to continue to self-sabotage and, and just drink, right? Drink the pain away. So you have to get clear on that future. And ultimately, it's like understanding that quitting drinking isn't just about quitting drinking. It's not just, oh, well, I'm just choosing to give up my social life. Oh, I'm just going to be boring. Like, oh, like, no, it's about waking up and realizing that our society, knowingly or unknowingly, is using alcohol to run from themselves. And like, maybe that's triggering for certain people, but that's just the fact, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the time when people are drinking, it's because there's something inside them that's uncomfortable. So they use alcohol as a way to try to feel normal or to try to regulate themselves. So the journey of quitting drinking is a journey of coming back home to yourself so that you can finally begin confronting who and what you are as a human being, right? Your past, the stuff that happened with your family that you maybe haven't processed, the challenges that you've experienced, the things that you haven't been able to figure out and overcome, we use alcohol to avoid those. So, you know, it's, it's a journey of healing. It's a journey of rediscovering who you are. It's a journey of realizing that, Hey, if I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore, I no longer have an out when I feel stressed out. I no longer have an out when I feel a little agitated or bored or restless. So that means that I have to adapt and I have to learn how to mentally and emotionally regulate myself. And that's something that by and large human beings aren't really taught. Because people don't really understand consciousness and thoughts and feelings and emotions and the nervous system and just the nature of being alive. And so quitting drinking is about ultimately at a deeper level, choosing your potential over your pain. It's about choosing who you could be and the possibilities rather than what's known and familiar and comfortable. And that's really scary for a lot of people. And I get it, you know, when the, the pain is real, when you've gone through shit or, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, there's a quote by, by this guy, this psychologist, he's like, a man will do anything, no matter how absurd to avoid confronting his own soul. And when you remove the alcohol, you are kind of forced to begin confronting your soul. Um, and then I think the last thing is like community, right? Um, Finding other people who are like-minded. If all your friends drink, if everybody's partying and you're trying to choose a better life for yourself, whether online or in person or meetup.com or Facebook groups or Eventbrite or like, or using different apps, like tap into a community of other people who are on the same mental and emotional wavelength. And, and that'll make a massive difference because as human beings, we need tribe, we need community and, um, and that'll fuel you forward. I love that. Yeah. I think that really touches on like the last thing that I wanted us to bring up, which is like, if you are sober curious, what are those main things? And I would completely agree, like getting to the, those root problems 
is really going to set yourself set yourself up for success for your future. And then also, I agree, like community is everything in sobriety. Like without that, um, you're not really going to, at least in my opinion, going to find a very like sustainable way to keep sobriety a huge part of your life. So thank you for bringing yeah. all of that up. Um, I do apologize. We are running out of time. Um, I feel like there's like 10 more questions <laughs> I could ask I you. But... By fast. Yeah, it feels like it went by pretty fast. It did. It did. We'll have to do maybe like a part two episode or something like that. Yeah. Um, but what do you have going on and how can people find you? I just want to make sure that you get all, all the good <laughs> stuff out there. Yeah. So, um, Next year, I plan on launching a, a group coaching model to be able to help some more people because right now it's it's all been one-on-one. So I'm really excited for that. Um, I also have this other brand that I'm launching in the alcohol space, which is all going to kind of tie into what I'm doing, which I'm also really excited about. Um, but you can find me on TikTok. That's my primary platform. My handle is at Stop Drinking Coach. On Instagram, it's at the Stop Drinking Coach. Um, I've got a podcast, The Stop Drinking Coach. It's available on Spotify and Apple. And my website is www.thestopdrinkingcoach.com. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's been an incredible year. And I'm really looking forward to just continuing everything this next year and continuing to build upon it. I'm mostly active right now on, on TikTok and my podcast, but I'd, I think I'm going to go more like multi-channel next year as well. Get on YouTube, maybe some longer form content on there with video. We'll see. I've got a few different ideas, but yeah, ultimately just want to reach more people, spread these ideas and concepts. So, so people start waking up and, you know, we start saving lives and families and helping people who need it. Incredible. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing more of you soon. Wish you all the best. And thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you, Julia. It's been a mm -hmm. pleasure. Bye, guys.